0: It's the fight fan with Pete Hoffman time. Y'all
1: must have forgot why we the best. People say the punches weren't really necessary.
2: What do you mean why were they not necessary?
1: Because he was already knocked out at that point.
2: But it, the referee hadn't pulled me off. And my job is to hit somebody till the referee pulls me off. So to so those people, I would say maybe don't watch him and they go back to soccer.
1: You
0: know, I made history here tonight. I set another record. W-f-a-n and odyssey.com.
2: You guys caught me under under a bad bad time, but you know what I'm saying? The Rock's cool. I like ballers. I like ballers.
1: You know what I'm saying? But he picked the wrong side. He picked another side, so he could get it, too. He could get his ass whipped, too. Straight up. With all due respect, he could get it, too. I definitely want to defend my 145 belt. And let's see. I'm going to talk to Dana.
2: Dana, tomorrow I'm going to call you. We're going to have a talk. I love you.
0: Your Fight Fan host, Pete Hoffman.
1: This is The Fight Fan with your host, Pete Hoffman. Thank you so much for joining. Follow me at The Hop WFAN, at The Fight Fan WFAN on Twitter, at The Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman on every other social media. That means YouTube, Instagram, uh, WFAN.com, Odyssey app, all that stuff. We're there. Go find it. Thank you very much for last week's viewing with Harley Dean. The numbers were through the roof, so thank you very much for that. Thank you for Harley Dean for joining us, but thank you for uh, thank you for listening and watching. This week we will have Chris Wade join us, who is actually fighting today tonight. This is being recorded on Friday, and we are having him. He is he is fighting in the PFL the first the first event. For PFL since 2019. It is. Anthony Pettis. Versus Clay Collard. ESPN 2. Uh, Chris Wade. Who is actually in the featherweight division. He's, he went down. Dropped dropped weight. He went to the featherweight division. It's, he's going to be on the prelims. ESPN Plus. Versus Anthony Dizzy. D-I-Z-Y. Dizzy. Who knows. But Chris Wade is fighting on that Part of the card ESPN plus he will join us in a little bit. We talk about a whole bunch of stuff about cut away for this fight about the uh, Jake Paul Ben Askren disappointment that he did not watch or did he watch. I don't know. We'll find out and also about some Mets stuff too because he's a big Mets fan. But PFL is back. And it is exciting because it's not just. Um. It's not just the fact that they've been gone for a year, but it's the fact that who's now on the promotion. Anthony Showtime Pettis is fighting in the PFL, which we knew about for a while now, but it's time. It's back. You know, um, He had a successful run with the UFC, but he chose to move on, whether it was money issues, whatever it is. Which is not issues, but financial reasons. He moved to PFL, and they're taking care of him, and they're putting him on the his his first card, the first event they're having. They're making him the headline, uh, the headline event. So good for him. There's also uh, Nathan Schulte. Um, you also have Lance Palmer on this card too. So it's a good card on the main event on ESPN two prelims, decent as well. Again, our boy Chris Wade's on there, but it just shows, you know. It's not just the PFL's returning here, but it's not just about the PFL. It's about all the other promotions that are that are out there. One championship, you know, between Demetrius Johnson and Eddie Bravo going over there. Um with the uh, Bellator in a couple of weeks is gonna have the return of Anthony Rumble Johnson uh versus Johan Romero, which is an amazing fight. Like that that is a fight that gets you excited. You know, not many t- not many times can you sit there and say that Bellator gets you excited, but that 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 is doing it. Like, I, and I don't want to knock Bellator, but really, you'll have Fedor Melianko fight somebody, and you're like, oh, okay, cool. You know, but they're both out of their prime, and it just is it really getting me excited. It's nice to see somebody fight again, but do I really want to invest time and money into that? Well, I know that Anthony Anthony Rumble Johnson hasn't fought in a while. But he looks good. He looks really freaking good. And he's going up against a killer in Yoel Romero, which I don't care about age. We've seen Randy Couture's fight till he was 46 years old. Yoel Romero is still a beast, dude. Unless he's put on weight and doesn't care anymore, which I don't think that's the case. He's always been ridiculous. So that that is a good fight. And Rumble Johnson is a knockout artist. And Yoel Romero, we just know how sick he is in the cage. So that that is a great fight great fight so it's 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 these are the promotions are actually starting to turn around some amazing fight cards that you know you're looking forward to see they're doing something cool it's on Showtime now with Bellator you know and it's it's nice that that they're back that Showtime is back you know Showtime had boxing for such a long time along with HBO had boxing for such a, such a long time too but it's nice to see the uh that Showtime is invested in it and and is making something really nice with Scott Coker. Um, again, the Jake Paul Ben Askren stuff. I mean, listen, everyone heard me talk about it. Leading into it, it was going to be an entertaining show. That that that's what it was about. It was about the entertainment factor. I was not locked in. There were UFC fights. There were other things going on, so I wasn't as locked in. I wasn't about the performances. It's all for it. Listen. It's a it's a change in guard. That's what it comes down to. They sold a ton, a ton of buys. Good for them. Um, and they'll keep on doing that. That's what you know, the fact that they're gonna have Logan Paul versus Floyd Mayweather now. That's another that's another fight that's coming up because they do well. And it's it's like a bunch of niches coming together. That's really what it is now. If you're a fight fan, per se. If you like to see boxing or combat sports of some sort, you'll invest your time depending on the fighter because or or the entertainer, I should say, because you want to see someone get knocked out that you don't like. Maybe, you know, Jake Paul and, and Logan Paul, for example, are not the whether or not they are popular. I don't know if they're if people like them a lot. I know they're popular. Whenever I hear people talk about them, they go, you hear about this idiot. But I don't know if many people like them if they're not in their inner circle. So it's it's interesting because you do want to see somebody. You want to see an MMA fighter knock him out. You know, Ben Asker's not that guy. I, I never thought he would be. I also didn't think he was going to get knocked out like that so quickly. I thought he'd, be, thought he'd be more defensive. But he was just looking for a payday too. And good for him. Like I mean, whatever at this point time, Ben Askren was retired a year ago. I mean, that's that's what you chose to do, Jake. Good for you. You you made a lot of money. So did uh, so did Ben Askren. So I guess kudos to everybody. But yeah, I mean, this is the entertainment business, and they entertained. They had plenty to see, and they had it all. They had it all. They had the entertainers. They, they had the performances, the musical performances, like the MTV old school uh, award shows. You had the Joe Rogan experience when he's sitting there watching the fight companions with Brendan Schaub and, and Eddie Bravo and whoever else shows up that day, like Brian Callen, and, and they're sitting there eating cheese and smoking and drinking and watching fights and just reacting to the fights. That's basically what the setup was between Snoop, between Mario Lopez, between Al Bernstein, you had you had it all. You had everyone there. You had you had just all walks of life there, just hanging out and just kind of like commenting, uh, commenting, uh, com commenting on it. Jeez, and and they were there. You know, it was it was fun. It was in it was interesting. It was just a casual conversation, and people just kind of throwing out whatever they wanted to, and didn't have anything, uh, didn't have any any worry of what they were gonna say. It was no. It was. It wasn't black and white. It wasn't. It wasn't play by play where it was just okay. This is what we do. This is the basic stuff. No, it was just whatever you want to do, go for it. Nothing's gonna. Nothing's gonna go bad here. Nothing. Just. Just throw it against the wall. Something's gonna stick. And that's what it was. Then they they cut the promos beforehand with Ben Askren, not Ben Askren. Sorry, with Jake Paul. You know they, they had the, the Tyron Woodley stuff. You know that's a promo for the next event. Get ready. You know they're they're trying to build other rivalries so that they could sell it. You know it's kind of smart. And Woodley, being someone who's on his way out of the UFC, it seems like just because of his performances—listen, that last fight with Tyron Woodley was good. You you know you saw something you haven't seen in a while, but it didn't didn't go his way, and he's only getting older. So maybe that's what he does. He goes into the, one of these like celebrity entertaining boxing fights, and he goes that route. and make, He cashes in that way, you know? That's something that he might have to really think about if that's what he wants to do, and there, there you go. You just cut a promo right there. Pete Davidson was very interesting on the broadcast. Again, I mean, I'm not saying that I'm a big fan of these guys, but they didn't do a bad job. If you paid the money, you were probably entertained one way or the other way. One well, one way or the other, I should say. But I don't want to get into, you know, the 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 fighting aspect of it because that that's not really what happened. There were really no real fights. I mean even Frank Mears' fight was interesting, but I mean that's amateur level. You're gonna spend fifty dollars on an amateur fight? Mm, not really. Not really. It's like when Bellator tried to do it a few years ago. They tried to pull pull the uh, the pay per view, and it's like, yeah, I I really wouldn't pay money for that. You know, you really got they really have to be smart. Now, listen, they're doing a good job because they're throwing all the other niches together, and that's what's working. So I guess good for them. Um, but on top of the PFL. There's a huge card. And I heard Carton talking about it if you're listening on WFAN. Carton said that the the event this weekend isn't that big of a deal. UFC 261. First of all, it's the return of fans. So that's a big deal. Second of all, the card is stacked. I I, I don't know what he's talking about. Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. This is a revenge fight for Jorge Masvidal. Uh, He came in last minute. Over the summer, over over last summer, to fight Kamaru Usman, Uh, he stepped in. Didn't perform great, but he stepped in to fill in for Gilbert Burns. But now, this this is a good camp, a complete camp. He's trained his butt off for this fight, and we'll see what happens. Do I think Masvidal will win? No. Gut reaction, definitely not, because Kamaru Usman is just that good now if I'm going to break it down and overthink everything, we saw Stipe Miocic versus Francis Ngannou. What was the big factor there? Stuff the takedown. If Jorge Masvidal, which we have yet to see with the Kamaru Usman fight, if Jorge Masvidal can find a way to stuff the takedown, it's a game changer. We've seen Kamaru Usman Swing for the Fences versus Colby Covington. That was a that was a good fight, don't get me wrong, but if you're sitting there saying Colby Covington got his ass kicked, Colby Covington lasted 5 rounds throwing major bombs with Usman. They were back and forth for 5 rounds. I know we got at the end he got knocked out or taken out TKO, broken jaw and all. Stop fight. Stop the fight. But for the most part That was back and forth. Masvidal is a different fighter on the feet than Colby Covington. So if somehow Jorge Masvidal can change the game plan for Usman, this is going to be a classic. And we'll really see if Kamaru has what it takes to win a brawl with Masvidal. Now, I'm going to say it. I think that it's still going to be very more, much more similar to what we saw the first fight with these two. The cardio is going to be there though. The conditioning is going to be there though for Masvidal this time around. But all it takes is to just want to take him down the first round, and it's going to be if he does it early enough. It's going to it's going to drain Masvidal again, and that that is what I expect to happen. But just because I expect it doesn't doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. So we will see. But I do like Jorge Masvidal to at least bring a little bit more, at the very least, and he could he could shock us all. And that would, if Masvidal can come and put on a good defensive performance. And find a way to knock out Usman. That'll be that'll be a game changer right there. So yes, Mavrod, Usman main event UFC 261. I think this card is stacked. The main card is stacked. The next fight you have the co-main, Zhang versus Rosanami Yunus. That I mean, listen, I've heard all the trash talk from Rose. I, it's innocent. It, I don't think I think what she said backfired. No big deal. Move on from it. The actual fight itself is ridiculous. Rose is really trying to make a comeback. She wants that belt back. She took that loss versus Andrade a couple of years ago. You're worried about her. You thought it might be the end of her career, just the way that she acted. But she responded since then. And now she's got the title fight. But Wheelie Zhang is a killer. Zhang took that belt from Andrade with no problem. And then put on a classic with Joanna Yonjicek. And it just, again, we always talk about the, the the matchups, how people match up against each other. You know, Rose really, in that first matchup with Joanna demolished her, right? Knockout, quick, easy, done. And then had a five-round battle with her the next time. Well, Wheelie Zhang and Yoanna went out of five rounds. And Wheelie, she just looks dominant. She looks like a dominant champion. I'm not sure where we see Rose right now, if she has that killer instinct. But Wheelie definitely has it. Zhang definitely has it. Twenty-one and one. Rose Namajunas is ten and four. A little bit shorter, a little bit smaller of a reach for Wheelie, Wheelie Zhang, but it doesn't make a difference. She hits. She hits hard. We saw that against Andrade. And that was shocking because I've seen, we've seen Andrade dominate. Remember that Claudia Godella fight? I've never seen someone get dismantled so bad before. I mean, you saw the Valentina Shevchenko fight a few years ago where it was dominant from, I think it was uh, Priscilla. I forget her last name or Pollyanna. I think it was Priscilla. But regardless, that was a bad fight and they should have stopped the fight early. But the Claudia Godella, who was so talented to be, woman-handled in a way she did versus Jessica Andrage. And then to see Wei Lei just just run right through her. Andrade was on a roll. She she destroyed Rose. Listen, the stand-up game for Andra, Andrage, we understand Rose Rose was able to pick her apart. That was able to pick her apart better. But Andrage has power. and has no problem slamming her opponents and taking them down and, and destroying them on the ground, that's for sure. And that's what she did to, to Claudia Cadella, and I was just superly impressed. So the fact that weley is just that good, standing with these strong women, I, I, I'm i scared for Rose. That's, that's what I say. Um, and again, I feel like I know that I say, oh, there's a stacked card. And we go to the flyweight division. We talk about Andrage in the strawweight division. Now she's stepping up in the flyweight division to go with Valentina Shevchenko. I I don't see the titles changing hands in any of these fights. I just don't. Last time I said that, though, what happened? GSP won. TJ Dillashaw won. And Rose Namunas won. That was... The Bisbing versus GSP, the Cody versus TJ Dillashaw, and the Yone Jacek versus Rose Namajunas fight. But Valentina Shevchenko is on a different level, though. That's that is the problem. Where I see Namajunas finding ways to beat Zhang and Masvidal finding ways to beat Usman, you could you sell. I could sell you on that. Andraj versus Shevchenko. I just there's not much to sell you on because I don't know how Andrade is going to get to Shevchenko. She's so persistent, so calculated. Um, It's just not a good matchup for Andrade at all. And she's been better and looked good in the flyweight division. No one's going to take that away. But I just there's just no one else really to fight Shevchenko. It's like not it's it's like uh, Amanda Nunes. You know, you got the featherweight division. You got the, the, the bantamweight division. There's really no one else to fight these two women besides themselves. And Valentina Shevchenko, if you look at the first two fights versus Amanda Nunes, tell me where she lost the fight. That's my question. I know she'll say she won the fight. If you don't want to give her the win, that's fine. But where did she lose it? I I don't. She didn't lose either fight, and she's the biggest test of Amanda Nunes. And I think Amanda knows how tough she is, which is why she didn't engage her the way she does everyone else. She knows Valentina is legit. She knows how hard Valentina hits. Now does Valentina want to go up ten more pounds? I mean, she really likes this flyweight division. She really does. And I mean, when someone's dominating the way she is, I mean, what are you supposed to do? I mean, Jennifer Maya, she would, she did take her five rounds. She KO'd uh, Chikagian. Liz Carmouche, five round fight, the ridiculous knockout with Jessica I. Five round with Joanna, but again, Valentina makes it look easy. Even when she goes five rounds, she makes it look easy. The Amanda Nunes fight, again, you go watch that fight, tell me where she lost. And then there's the Juliana Pena submission win, which I believe Juliana and Amanda Nunes have booked that fight, which is crazy. Valentina beat Holly Holm. Again, the two losses that she has in UFC are to Amanda Nunes, which is just nutty. Where's the where's the third loss from? That that bugs me. out. Who's the third loss? Let's see. Liz Carmouche TKO, doctor stoppage. I gotta see that fight. I gotta look at that. So yeah, that is the those are the three title fights on UFC 261, and then you also have the Uriah Hall-Chris Wyman fight that was supposed to take place a while back, um, Chris Wyman really needs to make a case to stay in the UFC with a win. It's kind of at that point. Um, Uriah Hall, on the other hand, he's always been up and down his ca- career. They're both at like a very similar point, um, age-wise specifically. They're both 36 years old. They're both at a very weird road. Where a win could propel them to a potential title fight again. Or at least a contender fight. And a loss could p- potentially boot them out of the promotion. Weidman's uh, last win, though, over Akhmadov was really good. He really needed that because the Dom Reyes, when he went up in weight to light heavyweight, was not a good move. Um, the Jacare fight a couple of year, a few years ago... You know, I always talk about this with Weidman because I'm a fan of Weidman, clearly. I'm a fan of Weidman. But if you look at from 2015 when he lost the belt to Rockhold, every year he's lost a fight, basically, that was debatable. Like, the Rockhold fight, he was looking good until he gave this lazy kick, and it basically turned his whole career around. Rockhold wins the fight, he loses his belt. He faces Joel Romero in um, New York, UFC 205. He looks like he's beaten Romero, and then that third round, Romero comes out with that flying knee and cracks him open, and that's it. It's the end of that fight. The whole, the the Gagar Musasi fight, Wyman was looking okay, Musasi was looking better, and then there was the odd TKO slash was he you know touching the ground should he have not been able to get it was a legal kick that happened he beat Calvin Gaston which again I think in that fight particularly Gaston was out of his his element on that one but the Jacare fight again too Wyman was winning that fight and all it took was one punch to end his night so you talk about a chin. Weidman is skeptical at the moment with his chin factor, but Uriah Hall too. Like he's gone through wars, so that's gonna be a, that's gonna be a good fight. So Weidman Hall, excited about that. And then to open the event, uh, the main card: Anthony Smith for Jimmy Crute. We'll see how Smith is these days. I mean, I'm, I'm that guy. You like his his warrior mentality, but. At this point in time, he's a better commentator almost than he is fighter. And you don't want to say that about somebody because you don't want to rip them apart, but that's, honestly, at this point in time, what, his performances are so lackluster. He's gotten crushed by Glover Teixeira. You saw his his title fight with John Jones. It was a nice rise for him. He was rewarded for his patience and his diligence, but at this point in time, He's got to improve. He's got to. He's got to make some changes in his camp. And Jimmy Crute is not an easy fight. You got Alex Alvaro versus Randy Brown on the prelims. The main on the prelims, Dwight Grant, uh, Carl Roberson versus Brendan Allen. Early prelims, eh? Can live without him, but I'll watch. I will watch. So yeah, that's UFC 251, or sorry, 261. Picks will be out. As always, towards the uh, the day part of Saturday. And again, as I mentioned earlier, PFL will be taking place tonight. And joining us right now, Chris Wade, who will be on the prelims of PFL right now on ESPN+. Plus. Again, Chris Wade joined. This is the Fight Fair with your host, Pete Hoffman. And... We've had the return of Bellator, we've had UFC, we've had the thriller fights, but PFL is back. It's about time, and we are being joined by Long Island's own Chris Wade, who is going to be on. It's it's season three of PFL, is that correct?
2: This is the third season, yep.
1: And you're you're back at it, and welcome, and, and how are you feeling right now, dude?
2: I'm feeling great. Um, this is weight cut time now. Like you said, we're into... This is the third season, but this is my first season at featherweight. So this is the first time in my career that I'm going down to 145. And uh, I can't even – I can't even lie. Like, this is the best that I've felt fight week. I I think I just took my diet way more seriously this time than I do in the past because it's not that hard for me to make 55. And I'm going to do some cool uh, side-by-side comparison shots when I – make weight and after that of me at 55 and then me at 45 just to show like how much more ripped up i am how much more shredded i am and it's not just from losing the water like this is this has been a a really good cut and a lifestyle change
1: are you are you like because like i'm a big guy and i'm always like trying to figure out where i should be weight wise do you actually feel comfortable at 145 or at this at this weight you feel good about it
2: Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. I had worries and concerns because of the fact that I just haven't done it since I was, like, 17 years old uh, when I was wrestling. I think the last time I made this type of weight, I was wrestling in, like, the, you know, preparing for senior nationals in wrestling before college, freshman year. That's
1: so – dude, that's crazy. And then what what made you go to featherweight? Did you just feel like this was a good time for you or –
2: well, initially it was just where the opportunity presented itself with the PFL this season. Um, we, I was going back and forth and talked with them about this upcoming season. And uh, with the Pettis signing and, and whatnot, there was um, a, a log jam there at 55 where I was for a little bit on the outside looking in. And um, I, I was basically told, like, hey, we got an opportunity for you at 45. What do you think? And um, I talked it over with my my family and with my coaches. And, I mean, everyone kind of agrees that this is, like, it's hard harder at that moment, but it was a blessing in disguise because um, for many reasons, really. I think it, it made me work harder. I think that it made me um, take the whole situation more seriously, just that not – that uh you don't when you fight but everything was even more heightened from my diet going 12 weeks back and um i think those types of things those life commitments to the sport pay off big time
1: what type of like program did you go diet wise did that was it like a keto thing or what exactly did you did you pick up that i mean you plan it out 12 weeks in advance but still everything's got to go perfect and you have to be strict um, what, what, what made you make what made you feel most comfortable diet wise?
2: Um, so I didn't pick like a particular like stylistic diet like you would mention there like a keto or or Atkins or something like that. What I did was I just tried to use and pick the brains of people knowledgeable in nutrition in the sport like Chris Algieri, um, and I tried to use my own life experience with nutrition and to round that out into something that worked for me. And my girlfriend and I wound up just kind of committing to doing this together. And we started meal prepping and the meal prepping really helped me because it controlled my portions, but it, but it also really made me eat healthier. And, uh, though, I think those couple of variables that I didn't used to do, was a a big switch up for me. It probably got eight to 10 pounds off of me before I got here. So it didn't have to be this crazy water cut.
1: Right. Did you, do you do like intermittent fasting or do you, how many meals do you have in a day? Like how, how is that structured?
2: So I guess I do because um, I skip, I basically my breakfast is like what your lunch would be. I like to do fasted cardio in the morning. So I won't eat anything uh, or I won't even have coffee anymore. Um, Only a few sips of water just to make sure I don't have like, like dry mouth or anything. And then I go down and hit like a solid hour of cardio. And then I'll have my first meal after that around like 1130 or 12 o'clock. So my, that lunchtime is like my first meal and, I have dinner by like eight o'clock, so I have a little fasting period there from like eight at night to around noon. Dude. Probably like a twelve to fifteen hour fast.
1: That's a lot of discipline, man. I I don't. I, I've tried. Listen, it works. I do know it works. I know it might not look at it right now, but I was uh, last during the pandemic. I was actually doing that, and it, I had like a very like small time frame that I ate, and I lost like twenty thirty pounds just for you know for me i have a lot to lose so
2: but it works so it's crazy it's the real deal i've done when i wasn't get, getting ready for the fight i did like a 3 day fast where i didn't eat for for 3 days and i just had water and like coffee and i can tell anyone who's watching your show that it's all in your head like that that grumble that you get in your stomach in the morning and that that bad feeling that you get if you ride that out for For 10 or 15 minutes and you just kind of ignore it and put it out of your mind it will pass it's not like thirst thirst doesn't pass when that you ask any fighter what they prefer what they want when they're cutting weight it's liquids they want fluids they don't care about food until they're already rehydrating so the food part for your body is kind of the like yeah it wants it it wants the calories but it will, it will say, like, all right, forget it, not right now, and mm-hmm. won't keep bothering you with, like, hunger pains. Those only come, like, for really short stints. But thirst, that's a challenge. <laughs> yeah, right.
1: Dude, I mean, I see you. what, what After you're done with the, the cut, you're there with the water drug, man. You just right?
2: You're just, you're just yeah. there, man. That's I'll crazy. be down there with a backpack full of liquids, basically. <sighs> Pedialytes, coconut waters, Regular water with like electrolytes, uh, solutions put into it, and yeah, and you'll just, yeah, I drink fluid and uh, I break a sweat, it's crazy.
1: That's nuts, dude. That's less yeah. some shit. <laughs> um, again, we're being joined by Chris Wade. You know, this is the one thing I, I, I respect about fighters is like, you, it's not just going in there to train against an opponent, you're looking to knock your somebody's head off or or submit somebody, but it's. It's everything that goes into it. You really have to be disciplined. We're not all Ben Askren taking a million-dollar payday to get his head knocked off by Jake Paul. Did you watch that garbage, dude? Did you watch thank, it?
2: Thank God my, my training partner was here with me. We planned all day to watch that fight. I was all about it. I was ready to put a bet in on it um, dude. And, and load up on him. And yeah. we just got tired from the UFC fights because they ran late and they yeah. were on ESPN and we both passed out. I woke up in the morning, went on Twitter and I, and I was like, "Oh my god, I found the video clip." Yeah. And, uh, I I can't lie. I'm I'm real disappointed in that guy. Like uh I know he took a nice fat paycheck home, but you can't show up looking like that. No. He, he looks looked like, like me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what the hell, dude?
2: He just it looked like he just it looked like there was almost conversations had, like they wanted him to take that ball, you know.
1: Yeah, and like not for like the ref did the eight count. He got up. It seemed like he could have engaged a little bit more, and they just like uh, waved it off, like
2: what? Yeah, the, the ref. If you watch boxing, and uh, specifically because it's different than MMA, right? There's no counts. Once a ref checks on you and they check your hands and they make sure you're sturdy, they, a ref, a boxing ref will never ask you to walk toward them. They stand you up and they'll ask, they'll, they'll check your hands to make sure that like you, that you're set and they'll look you in the eyes. But he checked him. He was good. Then he kept asking Jake to back up, right? So that they could start the fight again. Then he looks back at him. He backs away from him and he says, come to me. Walk Yeah. To me it's like that that's not your responsibility as right. an official to challenge the guy to like walk to you if he got up and he's telling you he's okay and he could put his hands up and and he's showing you whatever that uh he's got some uh connection still to his brain with what he's doing then let him let him walk back in there again you know one more time and let's uh,
1: take, let take one more punch
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly come on man the guy's taking beatings in his life look at what lawler did to him i yeah. know. one more one more punch wouldn't have. but i don't know it's a sketchy situation when you have the one person who's fighting like basically setting the entire event up and i know dude it was it's uh, it's basically run by like him and his goons so you don't know what the hell's going on. That guy didn't even look like a ref. He had like looked like Freddy Krueger with like a, <laughs> with a pistol vests on. Like a- that's
1: my boy Freddy Krueger. By the way, I love that. the great reference, dude. But I you watched the whole event. It was it, it, it there were some kind of interesting factors about it. I'm not gonna sit there and say I was locked in because again the UFC fights were on. You're locked into that. I'm locked into that. I, I flipped on here and there. They had the performances. They have all this other stuff. The commentary, it reminds me of, like, when Joe Rogan does his commentary, like, his um, his fight companions. He's not at the event, but he watches it with, like, you know, Eddie Bravo and and uh, Shaub shows up, and they're just sitting there just shooting the shit, and yet you have fights going on. That's kind of what it kind of reminded me, but, like, a little bit more MTV-ish from, like, the uh, the late 90s, early 2000s. They try to make it to a spectacle, it was okay. I wasn't so interested in it, but do you feel like as someone that's in the, the fights, do you want that type of entertainment to kind of bring more people in? Or do you prefer just to be straightforward? Let's go with the fights.
2: Well, I mean, if you're having real fights, I guess you want it to be more professional. But these are like, I don't know what you even call these. <laughs> it's a step a step above the backyard fights we used to watch kimbo in on youtube so right. i mean i see what they're trying to do they're paying some people to show up specifically like snoop dogg to bring some star power to the event they probably pay those guys like rick flair and whoever showed up and took pictures to show up and uh that way it gives it a little like juice i guess yeah but um I don't know, man. I could do it out here in Snoop Dogg at all on any kind of fight. And he's actually pretty annoying, to tell, me, to tell you the truth. In my own opinion, I can't listen to the guy. He, he, It's so far from what you would want from an announcer normally that, I don't know, it just turns me off. Who is the
1: best announcer of the sport in in, in MMA? Who is the go-to? For me? Yeah.
2: John Anik. He's so,
1: good, right, dude?
2: About it for me. Like, it's not even a debate. Yeah, he is uh, He's a great guy, and he's just – I think he's just far and above the, the best.
1: I, and I was surprised that you said that, too, because I, I was someone who was so big on Goldberg, uh, and, and I was so upset when he left. I was like, who's going to be able to replace – that connection between Goldberg and, and Rogan and Anak came in, and he's just been killing it, dude. And I like the the the, the trio. It's not just Rogan and and, and You bring in DC, you bring in Bisbing, you bring in Felder or whoever. It it's a nice it's a nice chemistry, and Anik really does a great job. Um, but yeah, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Anik, but but he really is amazing.
2: Yeah, I, I know I threw you a curveball there, but it really is like I was watching the um. We've been watch- just watching fights because we're stuck here in this bubble. But I was watching the Bellator fights. So I can't listen to that whoever that guy is that. Oh,
1: was R- 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 or something like that? Yeah. Uh,
2: he's so over the top with like what he tries to do. Um, yeah. John's just really natural. It flows. He doesn't try to be something he's not, and he's just super knowledgeable. He's just a he's just a genius at making it like flow and. I think that's what you want when you watch a fight, right? You don't want it to feel like herky-jerky on the commentary. You want it to almost be such an aside. You don't realize that these people aren't in the room with you talking to you.
1: Right. Well, listen, you're spoiled because, like myself, I'm a Mets fan, so we have some of the best in the business. We have, you know, on TV, Gary, (laughs) Keith, Ron. Yep.
2: It's
1: It's one of those things where you see how good people are, then you see, like, I don't, I don't like to knock other promotions, but I always felt that Bellator is always trying to just be – they're almost like the Triller. The they're trying to be more of a, of a spectacle. It's like it's not about the fights. They're trying to just put on a show. I'm like, get better fighters. Get you know. I love what PFL is doing. The fact that you did bring in Anthony Pettis, I know that that, that kind of clogged it up, but PFL is is bringing in some really good fighters and, and, and making it exciting again. I, uh, I, I like that aspect of it, but – you are a Big Mets fan that everyone, everyone, I think, does know that. If they know you, you're a Big Mets fan. How do you feel the season's going forward? Like, do, you, do you like what's going on? Do you like the chemistry? The ground finally got a freaking win?
2: Uh, I'm loving what I'm seeing right now, except for the fact that I don't understand what it is that, yeah, we finally got a win. And it's like it's like seeing a unicorn, they can't <laughs> hit for the guy. They I cannot know. I, I don't – do you think that they, it's in their head like where it's like one of those uh, situations where it's been so talked about now that it's like in the back of their head and it's it does the reverse, it like tightens them up? Because even if you just let it play out normally, there's just no way over the course of, of a season that you would not hit in games like this that consistently. And it's – every time out there, it's one to nothing – it's 0, zero. it's 1-1. One, one. There's yeah. never a time where it's like, oh, 4-1, first inning, great, where we got him some run support, and we're going to take this, this one pretty easy. We're going to cruise. I mean, I maybe saw that like twice last year. So I like what – I mean, I love what I see. Stroman is really throwing the ball. I watched him pitch. He pitched yesterday, right? Yeah,
1: great yeah. job, yeah.
2: He's killing it. We don't have Carrasco or Cindergaard yet, and uh, despite that, I mean we're we're in first, right? We're yeah, no, we're missing some games because of like a million postponements. But <laughs> our win percentage has it sitting at the top, and Conforto can't hit right now. Davis can't do anything right now. When doors not there yet. Yeah, Lindor is like doing a little something, but he's not—he's not, you know, tearing the cover off the ball quite yet. We're still finding a way to win. Uh, we got Brandon Nemo carrying uh, squad right now, which I
1: never I, thought you'd say that. Yeah, <laughs> pleasantly
2: surprised, surprised by. And uh, man, I just feel like something special is brewing. I'm worried about the bullpen because I just always am as a Met fan. I can't recall one time, even when we had names in the bullpen that I felt good about it even when we we got Wagner um and it's it just always you get this feeling like never going to work out for us uh, and uh now we have um we added who who is it May uh Robert May yeah yeah and uh to try to solidify things but when we go deeper man I got to see the Grand pitch like super deep into games I can't watch I can't watch Edwin Diaz, like, you know, with with. I want to see him pitch like Santana until his arms, like, just coming off when <laughs> it means something. Dude, Diaz, I don't care what what it is. Even,
1: like, yesterday, for example, they won the game. Uh, I forgot who hit it. I think McMahon hit the ball to the warning track. And you're in Colorado, so you expect that ball to travel and get out of there. And then uh, I forgot who they caught stealing. But McCann had to make the play.
2: Story, story stealing. Right? Yeah,
1: story stealing. And you're like – I'll take it. I'm, I first of all, what's the last time we saw a catcher make a play? To yeah. End the game.
2: Throw a bullet. that. Yeah. yeah,
1: dude. I, I like that, but i Diaz. Don't make it easy. I'm not comfortable with him. I will say this.
2: That's not uh, even pressure. That's Colorado in April. Can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine like L.A. in October? Come on. Have Trump you guy with two with a one or two run lead in in L.A. In in October? No, no. Did you no.
1: see the Dodgers-Padres series at all? Because that was, like, legit. That was some fun stuff, dude.
2: I kept my eye on it. The Dodgers got the better of it, right? Yeah. Uh, I think they took the first two games. I didn't catch last – was it last night the, the last game of three? They were, Yeah, I think – I, I don't remember who won yesterday, they but I think – Friday and extras, and then I think they won again on Saturday, and I don't yeah. know who won, but – those two teams can can go it's gonna be tough dude it's gonna be tough i i like the team i like the
1: chemistry i am pissed about the the grom starts i talked to our boy uh jan jan gomes and i texted because i went to the game i went to that opening game uh, uh not the opening game but the grom game on that saturday where they lost to trevor rogers whatever his name is i'm like what is up with this? You he catches the aces all the time, you know. But I'm like, what is up with our ace getting on the mound? Like, is it just the team slacking? Like you said, he says that he said that Rodgers is is really good. He's 22, 23. He's like, he's he's a good lefty. He's, he's tough. He said, but it's just the aces always step up. They so that whoever the Grubbs going up against, the other team stepping up. But I think that's BS because you're telling me that. The Mets are always facing the opposing team's ace. I don't think so. I don't know who that kid Rogers is, but he's not an ace. He's not. He's not Garrett Cole. He's not Johan Santana. He's whatever. He's just left. You the the team has to figure out a way to hit for Degrom because I'm sick and tired of it. I don't, I don't want to see it anymore. I I need. I would have preferred to see Caporto lean into one on that day when DeGrom's on the mound rather than Degrom.
2: Yeah. You know, it's one of those things as a Met fan where it's like we we i think what we feel if i can personify it like and put it into words is like we get scared that they're so bad for him that we're going to lose this guy because he's so sick and tired of not i mean he's pitched at a hall of fame level now for like the last what five since 2015 basically five yeah years and he has these clauses in his contract and we're petrified biting our nails because he goes and sits in the dugout and never says a bad word. And he just watches them squander these, like, legendary, you know, 14 strikeout appearances. Um, and we're sitting there like he's, he he probably hates it here. He probably wants to get out of here in the worst way. He's going to – and, like, worst-case scenario, like, he's going to get – he's going to go to the Yankees or he's going oh, go to go to L.A. And like he's gonna get out of here, and you know not everybody's David Wright, and the ones that just like settle in and take and take that type of uh, abuse for year. Yeah. So I'm I'm worried. Fans are worried. They just want to see him get some wins. He deserves it, and uh, I hope they they start to turn it around. This guy is like a he should be a 20 game winner every year. He's always out there and he winds up somehow with like 10 or 11 wins
1: under 500 records sometimes
2: yeah <laughs> like, like how many no decisions it's insane it's, it's
1: i've seen the numbers it's it's stupid how how we just, they just perform terrible for him it's funny though because that's exactly you nailed it it's the fan is concerned that we feel like he's gonna get out of, he's gonna want to get out of here but he doesn't seem like that type of guy which is crazy so we, you and i gotta chill we're just going to hope that they start winning some games if for, for our sake. But I think he's just like – I think Steve Cohen will do right by him. If he's if he's paying Lindor that money, um, I think he'll take care. They're, they're supposedly in talks with the Grump too. Not, not as big as talks as Lindor. But I think they are trying to, to secure him for a longer time to extension. Because he's got he's, – he's not even paid a lot.
2: He deserves the entire bag. You know what <laughs> I mean? So the, the guy has just been like – the, the most. Uh, what what would you what's a term for that? Like he he's the most politically correct guy for them. PC, yeah. We find he has every right to go in and just make a mess and destroy his team on a post game interview, and he just he just takes it. Says like he's just out there, you know, one inning at a time, and blah blah blah. So I hope Cohen takes care of him because. If he doesn't, that's how you're gonna make a guy like that bitter. You know, yeah. watching guys like Lindor make that kind of money, and he's sitting there actually performing and and not making much money. Yeah, and then, it's a Will Pond deal, <laughs>
1: dude. Please listen. I'm so happy the Will Ponds are out of here, man. Thank God. Cohen comes in. He's get, it, Listen, we're. It's not gonna be that bit. It's funny though how. How all these like scandals keep on coming out on the – it was under the Wilpons era. And all these sc- scandals are coming out now with like the sexual harassment stuff. I don't want to get into it because that's just a whole different entity that yeah. I don't care about. Yeah. Not that I don't care about it. I just don't want to get into because it's a topic that we talk about all the time on the radio station. And, I'm just, and sometimes it's fatiguing too. But, yeah. but speaking of fatiguing, you're sitting here. You're a few days out. Anthony D- Dizzy. Is it Dizzy? D-I-Z-Y? think so yeah yeah like tell me tell me how tell me how you game plan for somebody like this which what's, what's your goal what's your plan of action going into this fight
2: so the the steps we take as fighters or at least our camp in general to game plan is we'll try to find like every every fight video that we have
1: uh that we
2: can reasonably attain for a foreign fighter sometimes that can be hard believe it or not you you, you fight some of these russian guys or these foreigners and you type names in, and it's hard to pull up fights of where they've competed because the organizations aren't so, um, like, propped up. You know, it's not like UFC where you just go back and watch all the the fights easily. So we went and we watched pretty much every fight we could find on the guy from his latest. Then from there, what we do is we try to find the fights where he lost and see what he did wrong and you know what what went poorly for him and uh from that sampling size of fights let's say we watched six fights right um and we try to pick the more recent ones that then we try to figure out what his go-to things are what keeps coming up consistently that he likes to do that he likes to go to what's his bread and butter and once you kind of are able to determine what his bread and butter is, that's how you can kind of make your rough game plan. A fight happens so quickly. Game plans are tough to always stick by in the moment. But I know from watching him that he's some sort of wrestler in, in Europe in France. He wrestled probably at a high level in that country and he is adamant that he wants to get a takedown, and he likes to just kind of control the position once he's in a takedown. He doesn't get crazy to push for a finish. He would rather keep you in a spot where he likes you than be in a rush to try to, like, finish up a fight. So we've been, I've been training the, the entire camp with friends of mine growing up, in suffolk county that i wrestled with long island and i have them just at like going at it trying to take me down try to push me to the cage and they're bigger dudes i want to make sure there's more size and more strength there so that when i do fight him this weekend he feels small he feels weaker because i've been having a guy that weighs you know 190 that was a multiple-time New York State champion attacking my leg, whereas this guy weighs exactly what I weigh, probably, you know, 155, 160 fight night, and he's from France, not from <laughs> one of the meccas of wrestling, which is in Long Island. And uh, that you try to over-prepare that way.
1: Um, so the funny thing is that's your game plan. Like you, you're 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 a wrestler, so he's like kind of walking into your territory. Does that make you feel extra confident, extra comfortable?
2: Yeah, very much so. Um, it feels good when somebody's strength is what you specialize in. If you want to, you know, that's like that's amazing. It's um, it's a really good feeling that you don't have to worry that you're just a striker and. You know, if you miss on one punch, he's going to take you down and hold you there for the entire round. Um, He doesn't know what he's in for once he grabs, tries to grab my leg because he's never wrestled me in my life, so he doesn't know what he doesn't really understand fully. I, I don't think what an American like scramble in in high level wrestling is. He's used to guys in Europe that he grabs their leg runs them all the way to the cage as far as he needs to. And they do some bad technique trying to like rip him off their leg and he sits them right on their ass. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's just not how it goes when you're, when you compete against like a high level grappler like I am in America, there's a lot more that you have to think about. I can see him really trying to overexert and use strength to finish takedowns against me. Because he's just simply not going to have – when you wrestle, you put chains together. You, you try to get, like, the next move in your head for how they react. And when you can beat a guy on a chain, that's when you can score that takedown. He doesn't wrestle like that. He just wrestles like, I'm going to grab your leg in the middle. I'm going to drive my legs and push you to the cage. And then I'm going to try to grab your lower back and pull you down. He's very simple, methodical, and he tries to um, influence, like, exert power over a guy. That's tough to do, again, here in this situation, because I'm coming down from spending my whole career at 55. And let's face it, I'm bigger than him. Mm. So I'm bigger, I'm stronger, I'm more athletic, I am just as accomplished in wrestling and in grappling, and I'm a way more dynamic striker. So that the recipe right there for me is uh, – it, it's, it's all there to put him away.
1: When you watched the Stipe Miocic-Francis Ngannou fight and you saw the, the, the takedown attempt by Stepe and Francis stop it and, and, and block it, and it was just – I don't think a lot of people expected that to happen. In your, if you're Stipe's shoes – what do you do from there? Like, how? First of all, how does that change? Because that, that that's not part of your game plan. You expect to take him down. You can't take him down. And now how that changes. How are you able to adjust on the fly?
2: Well, um, he was in a unique scenario because that guy hits like a truck where like any jab or anything can – I think it was a, a jab that, that rocked him off of a miss. Uh, yeah. He missed, a, he missed a right hand and followed up with a straight jab and rocked Stipe. But I would have said, you know, he should have regathered himself and set those takedowns up. He didn't set them up. He shot like a heavyweight. He shot with his head down and he just, like, reached for his legs. And Francis probably spent the whole camp game planning for that. So you can't, you can't take cracks at a, an athlete of that caliber and level that are that Unset up and expect them to be successful. They're just not going to be. He should have been timing things like get Francis to to bum rush you with those strikes, slip one, then step in and drive your shot. Don't you never want to in and that's where I think my opponent we are going to be able to take advantage of some things. You don't want to like chase people for the takedown, because when someone's backing up and you're you're trying to cover that ground. It, they're dangerous. They're dangerous with uppercuts, knees, kicks up the middle. But when they're coming at you and they're giving you their body weight and you can make something miss, then you can blow them up with a takedown. And um, I don't think you really saw Stipe in that fight try to do that. You saw him diving underneath Francis a couple times trying to shoot. And when you weigh that much, you, you can't be successful like that.
1: No, it did not work in his favor, and then I just felt like that was the beginning of the end. After that, uh, Chris Wade joining us, wrapping it up in a few minutes. Um, anything you want to promote, obviously, besides the fight on Friday.
2: Yeah, we're we're fighting Friday. Uh, ESPN Plus. is going to be. I'm probably going to be like the second or third bout. I think the main card is already set with like Schult, Pettis, Palmer, and. I forget who the other fight is, but so you'll be able to catch it on ESPN Plus. And then, um, yeah, I'd love to plug uh, Long Island Strong, LIslandStrong.com. That is our local apparel that uh, I make with my partners. We've been doing that together for five, six years now. We support local businesses on the island, local charities, and local athletes. We are just all about anything that is local. So we're based out of Seville, New York, and um, we do a lot of good things to try to help people on the island. So check us out uh, for sure.
1: Awesome, Chris. Well, good luck on Friday. Looking forward to it. And uh, definitely come back on, and we'll we'll do this
2: again, and let's go Mets, right? (laughs) Yeah, man. Let's talk Mets all season. I could do it all day. Awesome. Chris, I appreciate it, man. Be safe. Good luck. All right. Thank you, Pete. Appreciate Chris Wade
1: for hopping on. Thank you for listening and watching and following and subscribing at the Hoff WFAN, at the Fight Fan WFAN on Twitter, at the Fight Fan with Pete Hoffman on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, WFAN.com, and the Odyssey app. We will see you guys next week. Definitely check out these fights. They're ridiculous. It's a good weekend, Friday night at the PFL, then UFC 261 Saturday night on paper. We will be back next week with more of the Fight Band with P.H.I.T.